Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Uh, we're now joined, oh, here we go, with True Serum. Tim Brando, Fox Sports, he's now made that pivot towards college basketball. Uh, he joins us, though, because of heavy college football. What a time of the year, Tim. Thank you so much. Great to have you back on the show so how many different uh, narratives do you see as we get to the final week coming up with the college football playoff standings that were released last night? Well, we can start with uh, the Southeastern Conference is going to be really pissed, I think, uh, <laughs> more than likely uh, in the aftermath of this because it doesn't appear that um, the committee is uh, looking towards dropping Florida State at all if they take care of business against Louisville. Uh, that's 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 a desperate. I mean, listen, they need Texas to lose and Florida State to lose. It, it, can it happen? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it it, it can, uh, and it's happened before. I mean, lightning has struck on a couple of occasions, um, uh, both during the BCS when West Virginia uh, couldn't take care of business against Shady McCoy and Dave wants that team back in 2007, and LSU jumped from. Uh, seven to two uh, during the BCS era and, and won a national title with two losses, uh, two losses. And one of those, a double overtime loss to Arkansas the final week of the regular season. Um, but, but I mean, this, this notion that uh, a narrative that's coming uh, out of the Southeastern conference, that's uh, obvious they're hanging on. I mean, this notion that Alabama, uh, if it beats Georgia is a lock, um, no, I don't, they're not a lock. Um, Georgia needs to win for the SEC to be a lock. And, uh, you know, the Washington, Oregon winner based on, you know, the metrics we're looking at now, uh, I mean, that winner looks, looks like it's in, whether it's Oregon with one loss or, or Washington undefeated. And, um, you know, I mean, Michigan, Iowa, I mean, um, two bets there, Michigan to win and take the under. <laughs> and, um, and I think if you look at, um, if you look at the ACC, I, I don't know that, I mean, maybe Louisville can pull a rabbit out of a hat. You know, Jeff Brom's a really good coach and, uh, they got spanked, uh, in a game that they were not supposed to lose. And, uh, maybe they'll be angry, come out and take it out on, um, on Florida state without, um, without their quarterback because they're not the same team. That one is a little bit surprising to me. I, I've jumped Oregon over Florida State, even with a loss in my top ten last week, because I just think they're a far superior football team. So, um, But, I mean, obviously Washington and Oregon will eliminate one or the other. And um, either way, the, 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 the idea or the concept that, um, you know, that Alabama especially can jump from eight to the top four well, that's a that's a wild reach right there. But you know how they are down there, man. They they think it's their uh, 
God-given right. You know, how dare you keep them out twice, you know, once for TCU and then again for Florida State. Further proof of why we need to have uh, an expanded playoff right now. You know, we, we could – uh, we could argue forever, and I, I would just tell you that all eight teams, all the top eight, has a reasonable opinion that they could win it all. And it's just a damn shame that we can't go to a 12-team format right now because it would be a lot of fun. But it will whet the appetite for next year. Yeah, Tim, I think you make it, that's a good point. Of like we, we now, like this after Sunday, we don't have to worry about, like, gnashing our teeth over um this right. fourth thing anymore it's over it's it um it, it's it's done and we and it maybe proves the point of like where college football is going is that free agency has given it parity tim nobody is necessarily running away with this thing anymore like they have in the past and that's only going to continue to move down the parity side as opposed to the you know 10-year dynasty side because of the transfer portal and name image and likeness so we better get used to it and enjoy it now because it's it's going to be like this pretty much from here on out as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and, and these games, people will say, well, the SEC and the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are the, not the Pac-12 because they won't be here, but all these title games, they won't mean anything. The hell they won't. They'll mean positioning. Mm-hmm. You know, Next year it will mean whether you get a bye or not uh, and who gets a home game for the first round between seeds five and eight. Um, so they do matter, but the, the last half of the regular season, particularly the, the last month, you know, the November to remember is just going to be dynamite. Uh, you know, we, we had Oklahoma at CCU on, uh, on Friday of last week, Oklahoma, if we had a 12 team format would have been playing for positioning just to get in and they would have been well positioned with that win and would have been getting in. So, all these games will take on so much more importance when we get there, you know, and um, that's what's going to be so fantastic about it. Uh, I know there's earth shattering news about, you know, uh, what a quarterback costs in the portal. I, I saw what um, uh, I saw what Matt Rule had to say about the going price, but this is the world we're in, and there's nothing that's going to change that. And uh, I think it actually is going to make for a much more entertaining and uh, and better college football season. And the and the ratings will tell you that uh, more people are watching now than ever before. 19 million for Michigan Ohio State, uh, a meaningless game in the snow between Iowa State and K State. We had over 3.3 million viewers to that game, and it meant really nothing. Um, well, it would mean something to Kansas State if we were talking about 16 teams or if we were talking about 12 teams, but uh, it didn't. It's, the, the sport's in great shape. We just have to begin to regulate it, and we need to get the NCAA the hell out of it altogether. Tim, I know what Boo Corrigan said, and I know what the, the committee says, but your personal preference, are you a four best teams or a four most deserving guy? Oh, I think that um, I think that the, the quest to get the four best sounds a lot better, don't you? Yeah, it does. But you can't tell me that the committee hasn't already shown in the in the last few years that that most deserving has begun to matter. Uh, it certainly did when Cincinnati got in a few years back as the first so-called Group of Five team. Uh, uh, TCU lost its title game uh, to Kansas State and still got in. Uh, last season, I think they got in on the basis of really controlling um, 
much of, of college football's significance uh, the last eight weeks of the regular season. So deserving is in the minds of the beholder. It's in the minds of the committee. Um, I do think that that will change again once we go to 12. I think the only thing they're going to find out when they go to 12, fellas, is that, oh, my God, why didn't we have one, two, three, and four play the first week? You know what? We're going to do that in the next TV deal. Mm. They don't get a bye. We're going to make them play at home. That's what's going to happen in 26. Tim, someone in the chat room, UT Parking, we got a lot of fans from all the various fan bases, even those who are not a part of this, um, mm-hmm. asked about the college football playoff committee, why there weren't more coaches on it. And I mentioned that there's been a few, and there's still a lot. But why no one in the media, and I mentioned that you just can't be a part of that process, but the media, and I'm fortunate, I know you are too, we do have a Heisman vote. What's the difference? <laughs> Uh, well, I think I think the Heisman vote has always been considered regionally biased, so it's accepted to have media. Uh, but when it comes to the college football playoff and then the BCS, uh, one of the reasons why we have too many um, too many computer polls uh, in the BCS when it began was because uh, Roy Kramer was concerned that uh, the people running the computers would be biased, <laughs> so we had to have too many of them, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, and then uh, the, the whole biased, regionally biased thing comes into play with, with who they're putting on the committee, you know, which athletic director from what, from what team and what conference and so on. Uh, you know, I remember the first year of the college football playoff in 2014, it was major news, major news when a committee member was, was drafted, when we, we brought someone in. Remember the, the buzz when Condoleezza Rice was yep. part of that committee? Remember the buzz when Archie Manning uh, was part of it? And then Archie wound up uh, giving up his because of uh, uh, his his surgeries that he was going to have to have. He couldn't come in and, and make those airplane trips uh, that particular year. And I could tell you, he, he really was telling the truth. He was about to have a uh, knee replacement. It was going to be pretty painful for him. Um, but we don't scrutinize the committee anymore. Okay, we really stopped it after the second or third year. Nobody really cared. It was like, oh, all right, well, whoever they got, they'll do the best job possible. I mean, it was news when Tyrone Willingham was on the committee the first time, when Tom Osborne was on the committee. You knew about it. Uh, And I think that since people stopped caring, we've seen a steady influx of more college administrators rather than coaches being involved. Now, those coaches that are there, they do carry a pretty big stick in that room. They, they have the attention of those that, that didn't coach. But that committee looks a hell of a lot more like an NCAA tournament selection committee than it does, you know, a blue-ribbon panel of college football experts. And I think that's where the rub with so many comes from. I, I got a real kick out of watching uh, those guys have their debate last night for the last time on uh, – on ESPN, I've always said Reese, Hart, uh, Reese Davis deserves the Purple Heart because trying to make um, trying to make those Tuesday interviews, uh, whether it's uh, with Boo or whoever the, uh, the the committee chair is, is is almost nonsensical. The, the responses are canned, and you know that they are. Um, but then, you know, McElroy and and uh, Galloway going at it. Uh, and and uh, I don't think Michigan State in 15 should have been there in 16. You know, it, it, basically it comes down to, and I like Greg, I do, but, but these 
these conversations are just fruitless. Um, and they're, they're, they're spending 20, 30 minutes of extra time uh, discussing something that, that cannot be solved or fixed. As long as you have four teams, it was going to be screwed up. And they, they should have known that before they went to it. You know, they should have known that a playoff means more than four teams, okay, that you've got to have uh, at least eight or more to constitute a, a playoff. And, and I would argue to anybody that's saying, well, Alabama has played so much better than Texas since they lost that game in September. And, you know, that's the major argument down south as well. I mean, how good is Texas since then? How good is Bama now? You know, they've really improved. And I, there's, there's certainly some merit uh, to that argument. But when you go into a playoff with 12 or more teams, you're going to see on the field which teams evolved. It's not in, the, it's not in your mind. It's not in your imagination. I wonder if this team really is that much better. No, you're going to see it play out on the field. That's the way it should be done. Okay, not not in the court of, of, of our own biased minds. And there is a level of bias in all of us. We do our best to divorce ourselves from it, particularly when we're working in, in television. And I know that's what I do is a exercise all bias demons before I – Say hello, everyone. I'm Tim Randall alongside Spencer Tillman. That's the way we have to roll in TV. But there's a level of that within all of us. And uh, again, as I said, those those Tuesday shows were a colossal mistake, but one that the CFP wanted. You know, they forced ESPN to do that. And um, you know, to me, until uh, we get towards the end, they're not worth watching. And then when they are, that you can tell they're filling 30 minutes with a bunch of um, gobbledygook. You know, conversation that um, really doesn't matter in the in the in the main in the mainstream. Uh, it, it's spilling time because they got to get the show to a, an hour in length, I guess. Yeah, give me two shows last Tuesday and and then the last one. That's that's all I need. That's all I need. That's all you need. Just give me two. That's all you need. Just give me two, so I know where that you're kind of at as you've gone through this. The other thing, yeah. Tim, you mentioned about. The evolution of teams. I also think that there's a misnomer among a lot of people, or a misthought in it, that it's linear. That you're either going up or going down all year long. When really, depending on yeah. who you are, it's it's like this. And so, yeah. you know, you could have yeah. a down stretch and then go up, and another down stretch and go up. But if you keep winning, it, all that doesn't matter until you actually get to the playoffs, and then the head to head will show you are you are you on the down part of your season or the up part. Yeah, absolutely. By example, I think uh, Michigan, uh, for the first seven, eight weeks, was by far and away the most dominant team. I think their um, their margin of victory was plus 33, something like that, going into week eight or week nine of the season. And then they had a, a tough stretch. Didn't play very well offensively against Penn State. Uh, McCarthy's numbers really fell off. Didn't throw a pass in the second half of the game and, and yet came away with a win. And Ohio State, meanwhile, looked from a defensive standpoint to be getting as good, if not maybe better, than than Michigan. So much so that because of that and their schedule up front that included Notre Dame, they they went ahead of Michigan in the in the CFP uh, standings when they came out. I think a lot of people bought into that. I bought into that. Uh, but it didn't mean that Michigan wasn't going to respond or that they, when the level of competition uh, ramped up, 
that they would not be up to the challenge. They clearly were. And uh, Washington, similar story. They were dominating people. Then they had that hiccup uh, at home against Arizona State, from which they, I don't think they recovered for at least two or three weeks. They damn near lost Stanford in a game Spencer and I had uh, a few weeks later, and they, they got past that. And then you saw what they were able to do at Oregon State in filthy weather and uh, at Reeser Stadium, and that's a tough place to play. And they dominated that game. Um, the score probably would have been a, a, a larger margin had it not been for the bad weather. But um, to me, Oregon right now looks like the best team in college football, yet they've got one loss, and um, unless they beat Washington, will be on the outside looking in. But, but yeah, there's ebb and flow to every season in college football. We just haven't had to pay attention for years. Neither have these analysts because they all have their own agendas. And, and, and absolutely, there are pl- uh, guys that are in my profession that haven't seen certain teams at all, okay? And you have to take that into consideration. You have to take stock in that. Uh, I didn't give Georgia uh, its due uh, because I couldn't unsee the Auburn game mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year. I thought, my God, they are struggling with Auburn. Now, they lost Brock Bowers, their tight end, in that game. They had receivers, McConkie and a few others were out for that game. And you saw how Georgia responded in the aftermath of it. Um, meanwhile, you know, you can make a case that Alabama <laughs> uh, had a much tougher time with, with Auburn than Georgia did. Okay, but so where do we go with that? Where do we – it, it is. It's about ebb and flow. And ultimately, that's why we have to have, in my view, the top 12 and soon after the top 16 play it out on the field. We don't need uh, a group of people in a room, whether it's 13 or 20 or 6, telling us which teams deserve or which teams are best. Back to your initial question. Am I a deserve or best? I'm a let's get that part of it and that part of it out of the mix. So we decided on the field, and that's what we're going to do. Tim, the carousel has been hot and heavy. Not as much as last year. Last year and the last couple of years really have been bonkers. This one's a little bit, uh, it's still crazy, but, uh, you know, not not totally nuts. We did see how... The Trino Banked Arkansas? Well, okay, that's, you're that's right. A little, uh... that, that's a little nuts. You're right. That's a little nuts. That's a little nuts. Yeah, <laughs> just not as many big jobs as there were maybe a couple years ago. But, but yeah, yeah. Uh, let's start off with Mike Elko and Texas A&M, and, and we can, can kind of maneuver our way down if, if the other fellows want to do mm-hmm. that as well. But it, this looked like yeah. it was going to be Mark Stoops there for just a second, and then it wasn't, and that's all going to be debated about what actually went on there. But your thoughts on Mike Elko and the Aggies and now moving forward as a program? Well, I think they, they in the end, won out. They got a good guy, and I think Mike Elko will do a really good job there. He certainly understands the place. He knows what he's getting into. I think that the whole scoops thing was just Jimmy Sexton once again mm. playing the athletic director, playing Ross Bjork like a, a, a Stradivarius. I mean, that's what that was. Uh, and it happens all the time in the SEC. Um, every every job that opens up, you can pretty much guess 75 to 80% of the time, it'll be a Sexton guy that gets it. And he may know that uh, they may know that, that they've got their man long before uh, it's in the media, or they can talk about a national search. It's not a national search. It's Sexton on the phone with the AD. Which one of your guys can I get? He lets them know, and then you know they try to play it out. And I think there was um, uh, probably from Mark's point of view, 
uh, in the aftermath of some difficult losses, a need to get a little bit of a shot in the arm, and Sexton was able to give that to him, you know, and um, with the A&M offer. And so we played played around with it for a day or so, and then ultimately Elko got the job. I think he uh, was really the better guy to have in the first place, mm-hmm. and maybe Ross Bjork knew that, but uh, they still let it play out. Tim, uh, you have a Heisman vote. I'm fortunate as well. I know we can't discuss that. Is this one of the, like, I I am not doing anything until after all the games are played this weekend, and right. I never, never would. But is this one of those that is in the balance, in your opinion? That's another thing that's been going on that kind of blows me away. Okay, the the cheerleading taking place from one one portion of the country to another portion of the country. Uh, you know, to me, um, and I've told my friends in Louisiana that this has been after me, left and right. Yeah, Brando, it's got to be Jaden Daniels. I think it's got to be Connor. Come on, Al. Look at the stats. Come on. You know, like, Brando, come on. And I'm like, look, you can't tell me uh, that Jane Daniels is not hampered by not playing this weekend. He absolutely is. But that hasn't kept the SEC from really hammering away on these numbers and having their people on their network hammering away on these numbers. I saw Chris Doring. Uh, on the air the other day, I saw a clip of it. Just, you know, hey, you don't need to worry about the games. Just go ahead. You know, the, uh, voting is available now on Monday. Just go ahead and put your vote in. Jaden Daniels is the guy. <laughs> it's a Florida guy, you know, pumping up the LSU quarterback. And, and uh, look, if that's your opinion, go right ahead. But I'll never vote until after the final uh, gun of the final game in college football. And I do believe that Heisman moments now in today's internet world, you know, we're not filling it out on uh, and putting it in an envelope and sending it. We are doing it via the internet. And I think that um, if Bo Nix or Michael Penix has an unbelievable game in, in that matchup, uh, so much so that you just cannot take your eyes off of it. And it's just one great moment after another. I think one of those two guys is going to win it. I've told all my friends who've been after me. I've said, "Listen, Daniels is going to be invited. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, does he deserve it? Just based on numbers, you can make a really good case for that. He has to the to the quarterback position. He's done the same thing Barry Sanders did from the running back position, and sort of coming from nowhere to win it uh, in um, in 1988 when." Troy Aikman and Rodney Pete were the two guys that everyone thought were vying for the Heisman from the start of the year all the way through. Barry's numbers were just astronomical, and they kept building over the over the year. And he didn't have a game nationally televised except on cable uh, on ESPN in '88. I was hosting Game Day back then. And oh, by the way, there was a Game Day in '87 and '88. It didn't start in '93. Okay, <laughs> for those of you that are just curious, there was a Game Day with Brando, Vino, and Corso in 1987. So uh, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for the, 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 the putting that, you know, the, the headgear on. I love Corso. I love Herbie and, and what Chris and, and, and Reese and those guys did for game day, making it an iconic show that there to be congratulated. The show was on in 1987 and we did some pretty good things back then too. But, uh, but those years, Tim Brown won it in 87. He had, Three games on ESPN, 
including a two-punt return game uh, on Michigan State that year, and he wrapped it up. And then the following year, Barry Sanders snuck in and stole it with his only game nationally televised on ESPN against Barry Switzer and Oklahoma. By the way, Oklahoma won the game, but Barry went for like 246 yards in that game. So the numbers can win you the award, whether you're a running back or a quarterback. I think if, if the if the Oregon-Washington game is competitive and neither one of the quarterbacks takes over and dominates the game, then I think Jaden Daniels can win it. But not being able to play that day is going to be to his detriment. So um, if there's a lasting impression made by either of those two quarterbacks, then I think that um, the best player on the best team, which has been the trend of late, best player on the best team wins it. So we'll see. Tim, uh, you know Jonathan Smith pretty well. You've called a lot of Pac-12 games. He's on his way to Michigan State. Um, I, I personally, I think that's probably going to be the best hire in the cycle. Oof, he's just he is up and coming, and um, they've lost all three of their quarterbacks. But I don't think that that matters to Jonathan Smith. He's yeah. just going to. Yeah. But your thoughts on him fitting in there uh, in East Lansing? Oh, he's going to be. He'll bring a real jolt to East Lansing. Uh, superb offensive mind understands the game uh, in every respect. He's very hands-on. He'll have a really quality defense. That's another thing. As a former quarterback, you think about great quarterbacks, and he was one at Oregon State with Dennis Erickson, and then later went and worked with Coach Peterson uh, at Washington at UW with Browner and those guys when they were last in the CFP. He was, uh, as an offensive guy goes, name another offensive-minded head coach, that has had defenses as good as Jonathan Smith. I, I can't think of one. No. Certainly it's not Lincoln. It's, I mean, we can go on and on about offensive-minded coaches that don't have the kind of defense to match the championship caliber. Jonathan, in my opinion, did that. Oregon State's defense carried them this year. Uyunglele was okay, but he wasn't great. Now, that offense you know, basically was getting it done on the ground more so than in the air. They didn't have a great uh, bevy of receivers. I thought that was the difference in their, their game with Oregon. And it was a difference in their game with Washington. Uh, Washington's got those three outstanding, you know, two of them are first-rounders. Another one will be drafted uh, on that team. So Jonathan was a great hire for Michigan State, and uh, they, will, they will rebound quickly with him in East Lansing. Tim, you're about to pivot to basketball. Uh, yeah. Looking back at your sledgehammer of a, a schedule with you and Spencer, um, how much of that you can go right into basketball, but how much of that did you need, if any kind of decompression, even though I know you <laughs> love what you do and want to do it every day? Well, I will get to decompress after two weeks of hoops. They got a couple of big games, Wisconsin and Marquette's a hell of a game. Marquette's number four in the country, and the battle for Wisconsin is always a big deal. And I'll be with Raft uh, on Saturday at 11.30 Central, and that'll precede uh, uh, the Mountain West Championship and then the Big Ten title games on Fox. And then the following week, um, Raft and I are going to be at Villanova uh, at Wells Fargo when UCLA comes in. That's a big Saturday night primetime game to have. And then I'll get my time to decompress between uh, the 9th uh, and the 30th. Uh, I'm going to come down for a women's game. Baylor, by the way, your Baylor Lady yep. Bears at Texas on uh, December the 30th. Uh, I'll have that game, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but that time between the, 
the 10th and the, the 29th. That's a good almost three weeks to, to decompress. I'll, I'll be honest with you, fellas. Uh, it it would have been nice to have had a championship game as we've had in the past, Spencer and myself. Yeah. Last year we were in Fresno, and uh, two years back I did the Pac-12 championship uh, out in Santa Clara. It, it's 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 tough. Not uh, I would probably be a little disappointed if I weren't working with Raft in a big basketball game on Saturday because I'd be at home going, gosh, I ought to be there. You know, I wish I was there. So it probably helps me to be working uh, in hoops right then and there. But um, uh, the decompression time is important, and I'll get it during the holidays and then, you know, hit hard and, and begin to roll. And, and I, as I, I think I told you guys before, with this new Big 12 agreement, uh, I think it's not next year but the year after, I'll be coming to your place for Big 12 basketball, too, in addition to the Big East and the Big Ten. So I'm looking forward to that, too. We and will love to have you in our studio, too, Craig. In a new arena yeah. for yeah, the new uh, the pavilion. Yeah. yeah, the new arena, the, the Foster Pavilion. Tim, I, I know that uh, we interrupted your babysitting duties. Uh, yeah. uh, appreciate you still having time for us, as always. Do not get well, too far away. We will have you back again soon with all that we still have in college football. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.